the latest on Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook, Zach Wilson's fifth-year option. Thoughts on Robert Sala? We'll talk about it all today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, August 8th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Today we're doing a mailbag show. Now, normally we do mailbags on Wednesday with listener questions, but tonight is the debut of Hard Knocks for the 2023 season, and the Jets are the featured team. So we're going to spend Wednesday breaking down what happened on Hard Knocks, which means we won't have the mailbag Wednesday. So I decided to move it up to today. So thanks to everybody who rallied and got their questions in early. And let's begin. Our first question is about Dalvin Cook. John, what's going on with Dalvin Cook? Why has he not signed with anybody? Is it time for the Jets to pull the plug on this pursuit? So really the only people who know what's going on with Dalvin Cook are him and his agent. So this is just going to be me doing a little bit of guesswork. And I think there are a couple of things at play here, and I've discussed this uh, in past episodes. So if you're an everyday, you may, you may know what I'm about to say. I think one of the things we kind of sell short is the idea of how much veteran players hate training camp. And I do think that it may not be the determining issue here. I do think there's something to the idea that, you know, Dalvin Cook sees this as an opportunity, you know, maybe the one time in his career where he can kind of skip training camp. And I wonder if that's delaying things at all. But probably the biggest reason is just, and this is the biggest reason any player remains on side, the money's not quite where he wants it to be. Dalvin Cook is a running back who's maybe not quite at that age where, you know, it's all downhill, but he's close, you know. Running backs age faster than practically any other position in this league. So there's not a lot of interest in guys like this, or at least there's not as much interest as there used to be. And you you know, if you've been following the NFL, one of the hot topics now is running backs not getting paid. What do we do with this? How do we fix it? You know, what, what's going on with this? So Dalvin Cook is just kind of in a perfect storm right now where he's kind of approaching an advanced age and he's in a situation where even running backs in their prime don't really uh, get paid that much money. Now, what should the Jets do with this situation? I think they're handling it pretty well, to be honest with you. I mean, there's one of two possibilities here. Either Dalvin Cook really wants to play for the Jets, or Dalvin Cook doesn't want to play for the Jets at all. And in either situation, the Jets should just stand pat, because I think Cook would help. And I mean, after that first preseason game, I feel like running backs may be a little bit higher on my list of things that I'd like to fix because I don't think the Jets running backs look that great in the first preseason game, especially Izzy Abanaconda, who, you know, everybody's going to say he had the one touchdown, which was a nice run. But outside of that one run, I, I did not think he looked that great. So, you know, if looking at the first preseason game was going to tip me in one direction or the other, I think I was probably pushed in the direction of Jets could use an upgrade in the backfield. Uh, but I don't think it's like a dire thing. I do think Dalvin Cook is not quite the player he used to be. He's not the impact back he was in his prime in Minnesota. And 
That's why he's part of the reason he's still available. So if he wants to come to the Jets at the right price, I think I think it's a logical move for the team. But it seems like his price is just way too high right now. Because, and the part of the reason I say this, it's not like he signed with anybody else. I think the rest of the league is seeing the same thing too. And they just don't think Dalvin Cook's worth what he's asking for. Now, let's say Dalvin Cook does not want to come to the Jets. Let's just say he's using them as leverage because he wants to get more money out of Miami. Well, if you're the Jets, why would you take yourself out of the running? Isn't that, isn't that a pretty good situation where you can essentially pretend to be interested in him and maybe drive the price up for one of your division rivals? That's why I don't understand when people say, well, if Cook's not interested in here, we shouldn't let him use us to try and drive the price up for somebody else. Yes, we should. Now, listen, if it's an NFC West team, fine, whatever. Like, you don't have to do that. But if we're trying – if the goal for Dalvin Cook is to drive the price up for Miami. Well, yeah, drive the price up for Miami. Make your division rival pay more. Makes a lot of sense to me. So we'll see how the situation plays out. I mean, I think you ask five different people, they'll tell you five different things. Usually, though, it's mainly about money. I think there's a little bit of that element of Dalvin Cook sees that he may be able to skip the uh, skip training camp this year, which is a positive for a player who's been in the NFL a couple of years. Our next question also about a veteran running back who's available. John, do you believe that the Jets have legitimate interest in Ezekiel Elliott? There was a rumor this week that the Jets could be in the in the mix. All right, so no insider information here. This is just me kind of making an educated guess. Until I hear otherwise, I think that that was, I'm going to think that that was just a leak by Ezekiel Elliott's agent because there's a precedent for this. When Ezekiel Elliott was first hitting the market there were rumors that oh the jets are a team he really wants to come to and the jets said we're not interested so the precedent is kind of out there that the agent is trying to kind of generate interest and the jets aren't aren't interested and why should the jets be interested ezekiel elliott i think is past his prime i think ezekiel elliott's got nothing left to offer a team maybe i'm wrong but i don't i think dalvin cook has something i don't think he's you know superstar dalvin cook anymore i think dalvin cook can help a team I don't think Ezekiel Elliott can help a team, but we do know that the Patriots have at least expressed some degree of interest in Ezekiel Elliott. So if you're Ezekiel Elliott's agent, you're probably going out there trying to float the idea that the Jets are interested because maybe Belichick panics and says, well, I don't want him to get to the Jets. Let me sign this guy up. Now, Belichick's not stupid, so I don't think he's going to fall for it, but it's one of the things agents do. So I don't think the Jets, you've never heard anything suggesting that the Jets are remotely interested in Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm going to give them some credit here and believe them, believe that that's true. I, I just don't see where Ezekiel Elliott fits for really the Jets or any other team. I guess, you know, you could say the Jets don't have great pass protecting backs. And I guess, you know, with Aaron Rodgers approaching 40, maybe from that standpoint, you could possibly maybe kind of, Carve out an argument? I don't think so, though. I just don't think he's got a whole lot to offer. You can look at the numbers last year, compare his numbers with Tony Pollard's running behind the same offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott was way worse. Zeke was a great player back in his prime. Zeke was one of the few running backs who made a difference in the NFL back in his prime. There aren't many. There are many running backs that I feel like you could build an offense around. When Ezekiel Elliott was at his best, he was one of those running backs. I would have loved to have had him early in his career, but... Right now, I mean, part of the issue is that, you know, he's got such a big name, such a big pedigree that I think any coaching staff is going to be tempted to give him too many carries. I think it would be a really bad idea to bring him in and have him like be one and one A with Brees Hall when Brees, Brees Hall's issues are injuries and he's recovering from, from an injury. So obviously the health should dictate things. But when Brees, Brees Hall is fully healthy, he should be the guy. 
And I think that when you have a back with a big reputation, sometimes it's tough to accept a secondary role when you, you are no longer the go-to guy. We've seen this through the years. Adrian Peterson is a great example of that. Or Chris Johnson back when he was with the Jets in 2014, who just you know had a difficult time dealing with not being the guy who gets the ball all the, all the time. So I don't think that the Jets are interested. And part of this is probably I don't think the Jets should be interested. But reading between the lines, I mean, what sense would this make for the Jets to be interested in Ezekiel Elliott? And especially when, you know, maybe, I mean, the only thing I could think of is maybe the Jets, maybe the Jets are doing kind of the reverse of this. And maybe the Jets are leaking it, maybe get, get Dalvin Cook a little nervous. But I just don't see it happening. I, I really don't think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be a member of the Jets, nor do I think he should be. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue our mailbag show. We're going to turn our attention to Zach Wilson. After the season, the Jets will have to make a decision on whether to pick up his fifth-year option or not, and it's really not much of a decision. You probably understand why, but we'll go into it a little bit deeper, continuing this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each, each week all season long. Whether you are prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we are going to provide you with players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Are you looking for a second-year fantasy football wide receiver who can drive your team to big points while he catches on with a new starting quarterback? Oh, I think you know who I'm talking about right now. There's a wide receiver who happened to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year last season by the name of Garrett Wilson, and he's a guaranteed fit with Aaron Rodgers, ready to build on his rookie promise with the Jets. Watch for Garrett Wilson to make big plays all season long, all over the field with his speed, quickness, and route running. I think, think you know what I'm talking about, and I don't think I have to do much convincing on that. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship by, making, by giving you advice like picking Garrett Wilson. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it. eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little tuning up. Because right now, you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. So for the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listener, first watch every day. And a big shout-out to you every day. Or this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. Tomorrow, we will break down the first episode of Hard Knocks. But today, we're having our weekly mailbag show. And our next question deals with Zach Wilson's fifth-year option. The probability of the Jets picking up Zach Wilson's fifth-year option is blank. You know, I always say that there's at least a chance something, everything happens. I always say that there's nothing with a possibility of zero. But my goodness, that is about as close to zero as you can get, I, I've struggled to come up with a scenario where the Jets would pick up Zach Wilson's fifth year option. You know, it's a guaranteed fifth year option. I mean, so the Jets are going to be paying him. It'll, you know, the numbers aren't out yet, but it's going to be over $10 million. And it's going to, I mean, it's for a guy whose numbers, let's face it, are comparable to Jamarcus Russell's at, this, at similar points in their career. And this is where like the whole 
the Jets are trying to sell this this uh, notion that you heard Chris Collinsworth talk about it Thursday night when the Jets played Cleveland, and I'm sure he got it from the Jets. They're trying to sell this notion that this is just kind of a, a short rest for Zach Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers trade, and then Zach Wilson is going to step back into the lineup. But the contract situation is one of many reasons, and I think the most obvious is that Zach Wilson just has so far to go. But the contract situation is one of many reasons that that idea just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the Jets are also telling us Aaron Rodgers is going to be here two years. Well, Zach Wilson's got two years left on his contract. So if Aaron Rodgers retires after two seasons, Zach Wilson doesn't have a contract. And by the way, you're not going to give Zach Wilson guaranteed money past next season. That would be a crazy move for the Jets for a quarterback who you know hasn't done a whole lot in the NFL. You know, and I think that there's there's a lot of flaws to this idea that the Jets are gonna you know, the Jets are gonna go back to Zach Wilson. I mean, first is when has this ever worked? I, I can't come up with a with a good example of a quarterback who struggled as badly as Zach Wilson sat down for two years and came back and was good. But you know, I think there's this idea that like Aaron Rodgers is going to make Zach Wilson good by osmosis. That just being around Aaron Rodgers is suddenly going to turn Zach Wilson into a good quarterback. And look. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to make the throws for Zach Wilson. He's not going to be able to stand in the pocket and read the defense for Zach Wilson. And you know, every single year we learn that there's zero correlation between having a mentor and success, being successful as a quarterback in the NFL. There's zero, zero correlation between having a veteran kind of guide you and you as a young quarterback going on to be a good, going on to having a good career. And yet we forget that every time, every year around this time, and we act like the mentor is going to change everything. And it just doesn't work that way. Now, what, what's a mentor good for? Well, I, I would say, you know, a situation like last year where clearly Zach Wilson lost a lot of confidence in the locker room. And, you know, usually I'm hesitant to talk about what's going on in the locker room because you're not there. I'm not there. Even the beat writers aren't really there. You, you know, they're, they're there for part of the day. But nobody really knows what's going on in the locker room, typically, aside from the players and coaches. But last year was an exception because – it happened right in front of us. It was pretty, the Jets were pretty open about what was going on. It was happening on the field. It was happening in press conferences. It was really clear that Zach Wilson lost a lot of confidence in that locker room. And some of it, I don't think all of it, but some of it went back to that uh, answer he gave in the press conference after the New England game where, you know, they asked if he felt responsible. He said no. And I feel like if there was a veteran around, maybe better mentor than Joe Flacco, because, and I, look, I don't know what Flacco did there. But Flacco was, the, was always the king of like in training camp saying, I'm not here to mentor a young quarterback. So I'm going to assume that Flacco really didn't care about mentoring a young quarterback. But whatever mentor could come in, could, could come in is he, he could kind of see the situation developing in advance and maybe pull the young quarterback aside and say, hey, you got an issue here. You got to make you got to smooth things over in the locker room. And especially after he made that comment in New England in the postgame press conference, you could kind of pull him aside and say, hey, I know you did not mean to come off this way but it's being taken this way in the locker room because I don't think Zach Wilson like went out of his way. I don't think Zach Wilson's intention was to get his teammates upset with him. I don't think Zach Wilson understood the significance of the words he was saying. I don't think he understood how it would play in the locker room. I think it was just an, in not, I think it was one of those things where he said something and it wasn't heard the way he meant it, but it, caught, it clearly caused issues in the locker room. And I feel like that's where like a veteran mentor can come into play is kind of pull the young quarterback aside and explain, you know, this is how you're coming off. This is how you can fix things and how you can mend relationships. That's where I think it matters. But as far as like, is he going to be a better quarterback? I mean, maybe you can help him study film a little bit more efficiently. But at the end of the day, you can either make throws from the pocket. You can either make reads from the pocket or you can't. So I'm very skeptical of the idea the Jets are going back to Zach Wilson, or at least that's plan A. It's worth keeping him around to see if he can make it work. But 
it's a very long road ahead of Zach Wilson. Next question, other than hitting somebody else, how do joint practices help teams? So this is a good question because the end of this week, uh, the Jets are having a couple joint practices with the Carolina Panthers ahead of their preseason game this coming weekend. And then next week, the Jets are having joint practices with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and old coach Todd Bowles ahead of the preseason game those two teams will play. So, and that's really what you see these joint practices. Um, the, typically, the teams get together a few days before they play in an exhibition game. Jets did this with Atlanta last year. They did it with the Giants. A couple of years ago, they did it with Green Bay. If you want to go back to 2018, Darnold's rookie year, they did one in Washington. I think there are a couple different things from what I've heard. And again, I've never coached the team. So I go, go on what the people who have actually experienced this stuff say. One is that it kind of helps your player, helps you evaluate your players. Because if you got like your tackle going against your defensive end and the defensive end keeps winning, it's tough to say, is it, is it because my defensive end is good or is it because my tackle's bad? Um, so you get a chance to see, at least see your players against a different set of competition. Another thing that I've heard from coaches is it just kind of livens the players up. You know, the, the question asked is, is there an advantage other than hitting players from another team? Well, at this point in training camp, you've pretty much been, I know the Jets are one preseason game in, so they've had one opportunity to play against another team, but this point in training camp, I mean, we are, you know, what, three weeks in or so, three, four weeks in, you get tired of playing against just, it, it kind of becomes the grind. You know, it's not new anymore. I think the first couple practices is it's exciting because you're back on the field, you're, you're competing again, you're getting ready for the season, but a couple weeks in, it's less exciting and you're doing the same stuff over and over. So it kind of gives you a different atmosphere. It gives you a different, uh, you know, a different challenge. You're going up against guys who are, you know, who aren't on your team. So I feel like it's just the kind of thing that livens things up for you. It gets the, gets maybe gets the players a little bit refocused as they move toward the season. And the third thing that I've heard, and I, I think this is less of an effect, but it does give you a chance to get kind of get a deep scouting report on other teams because everybody in the league has to cut down from 90 to 53. So you're typically not going to get a great look. I mean, you may get a few snaps of guys who are going to be cut by one of your preseason opponents, this gives you a chance to give get a couple practices to really evaluate these guys. And maybe there's somebody you find, and it's not, again, it's not a big impact because we're ultimately talking about waiver wire guys, but gives you the chance of maybe find a hidden gem who's going to be cut by somebody who maybe you pick up after that. Now, had you on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll close out this mailbag show. I'll give you some thoughts on the coaching staff right now. How confident should Jets fans be? Well, you'll give, you'll give, you can give me your opinion. I'll give you mine ahead here on this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. We're doing a special Tuesday mailbag edition of the show with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent them in. Our next question, what is your level of confidence with the coaching staff? We can blame the quarterback position all we want, but there were games last year down the stretch where the team just did not look ready to play like Jacksonville or Seattle. It's clear there is a good connection with the players, but I have some concerns about the X's and O's aspect and communication of that to the players. This was on full display on the fourth down play against Detroit where Quincy Williams not a neophyte at this point. Let his man slip out. I actually might go in reverse of, of the premise that was laid out in this question because the comment seems to be that the coaching staff connects well with the players but doesn't do well with the X's and O's. And I actually would go in the other direction. I think Robert Sal has done an excellent job on the defensive side of the ball. I think his system has worked well. I think philosophically it makes a lot of sense in today's NFL to try and get as many good pass rushing defensive linemen as you can so you can rotate guys, so you have a ferocious pass rush. And they've done a good job developing defensive linemen. I think Quinn and Williams has taken a step forward. I think they've gotten good production out of John Franklin Myers. 
a couple other guys have looked good for them on the defensive line. That's where they think, I think they're solid, but I have to be honest with you. I am become kind of a Salah skeptic and I, he, I'm going to give him every chance to prove me wrong this year, but there are three areas where I'm really starting to doubt Robert Salah. And these things are making me kind of doubt question whether Salah is the right guy. And now with the caveat that as the question mentioned, when you don't have a quarterback, it's really you, every coach is going to look bad. And the first two years, Robert Sala has not had a quarterback. So that needs to be laid out. These are the three areas that make me skeptical that Robert Sala could be the, is the right guy for the Jets, though. And again, I'm happy to be proven wrong this year. You know, have, have any, any coach is going to look better with Aaron Rodgers than they would with Zach Wilson. But here are, here are my three issues with Sala. Number one, I have concerns over the way he builds his coaching staff. You see it all the time in the NFL. Head coaches hire their friends for their staff. Sometimes it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes they're too loyal to their friends. And it's kind of a balance because you want guys who you work well with. You want guys who are good personality fits. You want guys you can communicate with. And you want everybody to be on the same page philosophically. So hiring people you know and trust, friends, it's not always a bad thing. But you can take it too far. And sometimes you just hire your friends and they're not held accountable. And sometimes you just hire their friends even if they're not the right person for the job. And I think if you look at the way Robert Salas handled its co his coaching staff these three years, I think if you look at the results the first two years, they've left themselves open to some questions about whether Salas may be too loyal to his guys. I think that's a fair thing to say. Number two, it just seems like, and this goes back to the question, the, the question actually said that he, he communicates well. I think there have been a lot of issues with communication with young players where the young player and the coaching staff have not been on the same page. And, you know, it's easy for me if there's one instant, one instance where I say, okay, fine, it's that player. But it's just happened over and over and over. And I'm not saying that's the reason these guys have failed. I'm not saying that's the reason Denzel Mims failed. I think Denzel Mims' skill set's a little bit more limited in retrospect than we realized when the Jets drafted him back in 2020. But it's happened over and over and over. Mims, Elijah Moore, even, you know, Zach Wilson to an extent. And while it's not the reason necessarily the reason these guys have been unsuccessful here, at some point, you have to say, you know, is this coaching staff really getting through to players? Does this coaching staff understand that they their job is to develop players? You know, not everybody is a Sauce Gardner or Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall and ready to hit the ground running on day one and ready to, you know, be just be like a great professional. Sometimes guys need a little bit more development. Sometimes you need to take a different approach to get through to them. And latest example, Mekhi Becton and the coaching staff don't seem to be on the same page. And, you know, I, again, can I prove any of this? No. So I'm not definitively saying any of this. I'm just saying that when you see the same issue pop up over and over and over, at some point it becomes a trend. And at some point you start to wonder, you know, is there a, is this indicative of a better, bigger issue? And if you want to say that the GM, the issues that the GM's drafting the wrong guys, then I think that's totally, it's totally fair argument. You might want to put it on the GM. That's fair. But Jets have had a lot of issues with young players recently since Salah took over. And at some point I just have to say, you know, I wonder what's going on there. And the third issue I have with Salah is, in-game strategy and i just it's the easiest thing to complain about a coach about because like what typically happens and this is true of play calling too if something works people act like it was a great move and if it doesn't work it's people say it's a bad move that's not always the case the question is are you putting your team in the best position and sometimes you make a great call and it just doesn't pan out sometimes you make a terrible call and it works out and people you know people never accept that but it's true but i just don't feel like salah is really all that interested in being on the cutting edge like studying analytics and figuring out what the best strategies are. Because while we're still in like the first quarter of analytics in football, and we're just beginning to like understand how to use advanced stats to help evaluate individual players, 
there's a lot out there that can that can tell you what the best in-game strategies are, and the Jets aren't using them. I mean, an example is Football Outsiders, great statistical website. They put together this metric called the fourth down aggressiveness index, and that's how aggressive our coaches in going for it on fourth down. And analytics show us that teams should be really aggressive going for it on fourth down. Salah finished last. He was the least aggressive, at least as far as this Football Outsiders metric goes. In 2022, Salah was the least aggressive coach going for it on fourth down. So it just doesn't seem like he's that focused on finding these advantages. And I think that that's indicative of something, something bigger where if you're not focused on the analytics, are you seeking out advantages in other areas? And that's one of the things that great coaches do. So those are my three complaints with Salah right now. And if he addresses them, you know, if the coaching staff does well this year, he shows he got a better handle on holding people accountable. That's great. I'll withdraw my complaints. If the young players start, if the young players start producing and there's better communication, again, I'll withdraw my complaints. To just start being aggressive on fourth down and seeking out better advantages, I'll withdraw my complaints. But those are the concerns that I have right now for Robert Sala. These are the concerns I have for the coaching staff at the moment. Uh, so that's that, that's essentially where I'm at at the moment. I, I think that there are question marks. And our last question, the Jets have some players this year that probably will not make the 53-man roster, but I would hate to lose. Players like Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson, Irv Charles, Zach Koontz, Travis Dye, and Trey Dean, to name a few. I understand the player has to clear waivers to make the practice squad. If another team claims a player, is it treated similar to the Rule 5 draft in baseball where the player where the player would return to the original team that waived him? All right, so a couple different elements of this. So any player who has less than four years of experience, when the team cuts him in the NFL in training camp, the other 31 teams all have a chance to claim him. It's called the waiver wire. So if you have more than four years of experience in the NFL, you just become a free agent when you're cut. There's no, no waiver wire for you at this point of the year. Later on in the season, it becomes a different story. But in training camp, if you're in the NFL for more than four years, you're a free agent. No waiver wire. Less than four years, you're exposed to what's known as the waiver wire. And that means the other 31 teams all have a chance to say, hey, I want that guy. If they do, then they get him and they absorb his current contract. They don't even need to sign him to a new contract. They just take on the contract he had with the Jets. If more than one team claims a player, the player goes to the team that claimed him that had the highest pick in the NFL draft. That's how it works. Again, changes once we get in season, but that's where it's at this time of year. More than three teams put in a, way, a claim for a player, the team with the highest draft pick of the three, the highest first round draft pick of the three last spring gets him. So what happens if that, so let's say the Jets cut one of these guys and Detroit claims him and the guy ends up on Detroit. And then let's say a few days later, Detroit says, you know what? We don't really want this guy. We're going to get rid of him. So in baseball, there's this thing called the Rule 5 draft where essentially if you don't have a player on your major league roster, if you have like a guy in the minor leagues who's not on, who's not on your major league roster, a team, another team can grab him as long as he stays in majors. The team, the, the team that grabs him, though, cannot send him to the minors. And if the team that grabs him wants to send him to the minors, he has to be returned to the original team. So would the same thing work here? Let's say Zach Koontz gets waived by the Jets. Detroit claims him. Then Detroit says, we don't want him. Koontz would not automatically go back to the Jets in that situation. The answer to that would be no. What would happen is he'd go back on the waiver wire. So the Jets would be one of the 31 other teams. The Jets could claim him back, but they would have to make the claim. And if another team that drafted ahead of the Jets also put in a claim, that team would get him. So the answer to that, so no, the answer is a long way of saying you would not automatically get a player back another team claims off the waiver wire. Essentially, you'd have to reclaim him or you'd have to sign him once he becomes a free agent. 
Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out, help other Jets fans find the show. Hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about hard knocks.